It's so good to be back with my Welsh family. It's a long time, huh? Long time. Different world to the one that we, we left. It was, it was autumn 2019 when I was here last. And uh, we had dates in the diary for 20, like you do. And they all got cancelled because of COVID and so on. It's been fascinating what God has been doing in his church. I'm hearing stories of what God's been doing here, which are encouraging. But I reflect on my home church, on others that I work with and minister in. And God is definitely up to something, folks. Keep, keep tuned in, because in what seems to have been a very negative season, God has a way of turning things, using them to get his church where he wants them to be. And I really do believe there's been a shaking going on. Some people have made poor choices and are not yet back in the face-to-face -face community of God's people. And some are on the fringe. You need to pray for them because I'm not, I'm not sure everybody is going to come back. But we want them to make right choices. But by the same token, what's going on in the world has made many more people reach to God. And some of you are here, and you've never even heard this strange Yorkshireman before. So I hope you can tune into my accent, uh, as I have to tune into your South Walesian. <laughs> I love it. I was raised with South Wales accents in my spiritual formation years, so I'm right on point with you guys. It's just whether you can understand me or not. We have a lot in common in our journey, and um, I'm just blessed. I felt privileged when Dave. FaceTimed me and we're chatting and catching up. He said, Steve, would it be all right if I wasn't here? <clears throat> I said, what do you mean you're not there? He said, no, we need some time with the family. And so I, I was privileged that they're willing to leave the church to me in their absence. So we, we do pray as we did at the start that God refreshes them. They have a fabulous family time and that they come back next weekend knowing that you didn't miss a beat that you encountered God in that precious piece of worship and that the word strengthens you today. So let's just pray before we open the word together. Heavenly Father, we're your kids and we come and we sit at your feet today. And we ask that as we consider your word, you'd help us to detach from anything that would distract so that we can hear with clarity what the Spirit is saying to the church but also to each of us individually, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The title of what I want to talk to you about today is simply The Long Game. The Long Game. It strikes me as I get older that there are some things in life which are a long game. But we live in a short game world. This world seems to want to squeeze us into its mold of everything happening quickly, happening now, a throwaway culture. But I want to suggest to you that God's plan for your life is a long game, which you have to live in a short game world. And I want to just open this thought up with you by reading a scripture from 2 Peter. The words will appear on the screen. This is... Uh, <clears throat> Powerful truth, which we're going to unpack a little bit together. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Wow. Everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them, you can, may participate in the divine nature. I mean, just that thought, you can participate in the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that's in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. To godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a short game world, which says if you want to have a happy life, do what feels good and do it now. It, the notion of the long game, the notion of some of the words we've just read there, like perseverance, the notion of pressing through things that Lee read in that scripture from Isaiah 43 when he was, when he was up earlier, that you're going to have to go through the river sometimes, you go through the fire sometimes, but God will be with you in it as you go through. There is something about the long game and pressing through, which is right at the heart of a good life, a happy life, and a God-pleasing life. You know, I think you'd agree with me that all the best things in life are actually a long game. I mean, marriage is a long game, <laughs> is it not? It's a long game. <clears throat> you know, I was married when I was 19 years old. Just this week just gone was our 46th wedding anniversary. And we kind of looked at each other and said, 46, how did that happen? I'm still trying to understand the woman. <clears throat> and she's still trying to tolerate living with me. You know, that's... It, marriage is a long game. But isn't it good when you get the long game right? Through the different seasons that God takes you through. You know, I'm a granddad now. I've got ten grandkids. Ten? Where did they come from? I'm sure my idiot children are not responsible enough to be able to raise their own children. I can do it. Anyway, don't go there. <clears throat> Life is complex. Life is rich. But it's, it's a long game. Your best friends are probably the long game friends. People who've stood with you through thick and thin. People, friends who didn't just evaporate when things uh, had changed. I was chatting to a friend just this week about my friends and realizing some of my best friends today are the kids that I was in a youth group with when I was a teenager. Isn't that bizarre? None of them live near me. We're all around the world in different places with our families and careers and ministries. But actually, those are the people that I pick the phone up to. Those are the people that when I meet them, it doesn't matter how long it is since I last was with them. We're always on the page. Precious friendships. The long game. What about a great career? What about a great ministry? Whatever God has you in life, it takes time to become an expert. It, time, it takes time to become the best at what you do. And as you apply yourself and press through, life then yields its fruit. Life yields its happiness. It's the same with building church. 
Building a great church is a long game. And God graces different ones of us at different times in a church's journey to lead the charge. But God's got a long game view for this church. He has things in his heart which exceed your lifetime, but he needs you to do your part in your lifetime. It's a long game project. I love it. And if I can get right to the heart of what I want to speak to you about today, it's saying this. Living the Christian life effectively and to the full is a long game. It really is a long game. One of the things that God has been shaking up, I think, in the church, not just through the pandemic, but in the years prior to it, he's been shaking up this notion that you, all you need to be is saved. That you just need to be a convert. No, you need to be a disciple. Yeah, you need to come to Christ, but then commit to the long game of following him. That's where the fruit is. That's where there is joy. There is a sense of accomplishment and achievement serving Jesus for the long haul. You know, all the things I've just mentioned, you know, marriage, friendships, great long careers and serving Jesus and so on. They're all things which have um, a significant moment followed by a process. No, the wedding is a significant moment. And boy, the significant moment's fun. Didn't you enjoy your wedding? I hope you did. Um, <clears throat> I can hardly remember mine, it's that long ago, but I'm sure I enjoyed it. <laughs> you know, I've watched my children, you know, get married and do the wedding. The, the wedding's awesome. Stressful, yeah, but it's awesome. All the fun's there. Then there's the marriage. So it's a significant moment followed by a lifetime of process. I think friendships are like that. Friendships are fun at the beginning. I mean, you never make friends with anyone because they're grumpy. Not because they're not interesting. You make friends because you click with them. You have something in common. It's fun to be together and do life together. Until life happens, then you discover which friends are going to last for the process and those which are just fly-by-nights. Same with a job, a career, a ministry. In the early days, it's so exciting. Planning and strategizing and taking steps of faith. It's all dynamic and there's movement. It's, it's fun at the front end. And then you get into the process. Christian life's like that. It's fabulously fun at the front end. Do you remember when you first became a Christian? I remember it was nine years old, kneeling by my bed, inviting Jesus into my heart. I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew I was doing the right thing. And here I am, a lot of years later, still trying to work it out, but so glad I committed myself to the long game of following Jesus, of holding on to him through thick and thin, through the ups and downs of life. I've been through cancer. I've been through one of my kids getting divorced. I've been through all manner of stuff because life happens. We've now all been through a pandemic, haven't we? we stuff happens. The long haul. Now, remember the scripture we just read. It's making this very point that at the front end, you get all you need to live the long game. It started with his divine power has given us everything we need for our godly life. <laughs> All things pertaining to life and godliness as the old versions have it. 
It's given to you in that moment, that fabulous salvation moment. But then it says, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and all those other things, add to it, add to it. For if you possess those qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Following Jesus is a long game. The Christian life is a long game. And my heart for you today is that you're not just saved. It's that you are saved, <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. But there's nothing worse than having something that's so power-packed, so full of promise, that has everything required for a godly life in it in sea form, and then never unpacking it. Never working those things out. Because what that leads to is saved people who are ineffective and unproductive. Still on their way to heaven, but not enjoying life this side of heaven. And the plan of God is that you have that significant moment. You give your life to Jesus. You commit to following him with all your heart. And then you make every effort. Ooh, effort? You mean there's effort involved? Yes. You make every effort to add to your faith's goodness. To goodness, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, mutual affection. To mutual affection, love. And you possess those qualities in increasing measure. That's process language. That puts you in a good place for the long haul of following Jesus. And enjoying the effective and productive Christian life God has got for you. Now the word we tend to use for that long process is discipleship. The discipleship journey. <clears throat> if, I, if I can put it this way, I think one of the things God's been... Speaking to his church in the last 10 years is making us realize it is not just about converts. Converts are born, but disciples are made. So you were born again at a point in time. But when you were born again, you were saved, you came to Christ, that was the beginning of a making process. Disciples are made. Disciples are formed through the process, through this journey. It's, it's a transformation process by following. And that's what discipleship is all about. So I guess if I could give you a fuller title this morning, it would be, I'm looking for you to commit to the long game of discipleship, of being a disciple, being a follower. I don't know... Um, whether disciple as a, as a term or a concept means much to you, but we, of course, go back to Jesus and his 12 disciples in the New Testament, and we draw our model from that, from the way he interacted with them. He was very much the rabbi, the master, the teacher. They were the students. But if you unpack it, I mean, they did life together. This wasn't like a 21st century classroom setting. They didn't do it on Zoom. <laughs> it wasn't sort of teacher, pupil. No, it was, this was walking the streets together, overnighting together, having adventures together. It was rowing Jesus across the lake. It was handing out the bread and the fish when they thought Jesus was nuts for even suggesting feeding all these people. Just countless examples of Jesus exposing them to a process of doing life with him and following him. 
It was being sent on assignments for Jesus. It was making mistakes and being corrected by Jesus. It was an active pursuit of Jesus, which in itself transformed them. It was transformation by following. And I think that's right at the heart of what I want you to, to catch today. Now, let, let me be really clear. On the screen, I've put a definition of what I think a disciple is. This is my uh, definition that I tend to use if I thought, think about discipleship. I think a disciple, that's somebody who has given their life to Jesus, who said yes to following him, okay? They are someone who follows Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and does what Jesus does. So if you signed up to be a follower of Christ, I think that's what you signed up to. Someone who says, I'm following you, Lord. I want people to realize I follow you. I don't follow trends. I don't follow Instagram influencers. I don't follow politics. I don't follow any religion. I follow Jesus. I follow you. And as I follow you, that seems to have a way of changing me. I have to change. I have to take control of my life. I have to make choices in line with following you. And I, as a result of that process of change, I end up doing what Jesus does. Discipleship. Now, <clears throat> if that's the long game, my challenge to you today will be, are you willing to commit to the long game of discipleship? Sometimes the word discipleship itself just conjures up sitting in a class. Oh yeah, we had a discipleship class at our church. Yeah, that's a very small part of it. <laughs> but it's good you were there. Sometimes discipleship conjures up going on a mission, going overseas, doing something radical for Jesus like that. It's good that you did it, but it's only a part of it. Discipleship is daily following for the rest of your life. It's a long game. And if you commit to that, then I think you're committing to a number of things. Let me give you six very practical things that a serious disciple commits to as part of this long game. The first is this. They commit to being with Jesus. They commit to being with Jesus. I said a moment ago that those 12 did life with Jesus. In fact, in Mark chapter 3, there's a, there's a passage where it's speaking about Jesus having called the 12, and it explains who they were and why he called them. And it simply says this, Jesus went on the mountainside and he called to him those he wanted. He appointed them that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. That's Mark 3.15. He appointed them that they might be with him, and then he sent them out to preach. Interesting. Jesus wanted them with him first. It wasn't just about being sent out. It was about firstly being with him. Committed discipleship means that every moment of every day, you're consciously with him. You say, well, yes, theologically, I understand that, Steve. God never leaves us all forsakers. I get that. No, I mean you consciously tuning in to be with him. When you get up on a morning, it's morning, Lord. That's you just checking in, consciously engaging. Jesus is with me. It's every problem you hit, every 
challenge you have, it's Lord, what do I do now? Come on, God, help me here. Thank you, Jesus, you're with me in this. Is you consciously placing yourself in his company, in a conversation with him, being with Jesus, actively engage with him in conscious fellowship? Oh, he's here right now. He came in the car with us. He was with us last night while we were sleeping, just keeping an eye on us. Oh, he, he does never leave us or forsake us, but how wonderful when you as his disciple, the first thing you do is you swing your eyes around to, Jesus, come on, where are you? I'm with you. Thank you for being with me today. Every time you do your devotional, your quiet time, you're doing that. Every time you read his word, you're doing that because you're listening to Jesus. I think every time you come to church like this, you are putting yourself in his company. Because Jesus said, wherever two or three gather in my name, I'm there in the midst. So you, you, you came to be with Jesus today. That was you as a good disciple putting yourself into the process. Isn't that good? They commit to being with Jesus. Secondly, they weren't just with him. They watched him. They watched him. A committed disciple watches what Jesus does. Actively and deliberately keeping their eye on the master. No, I bet those 12 didn't let Jesus out of their sight. Particularly as he kept disappearing. <laughs> you know, he could come and go. They'd discover, well, where's Jesus gone? Oh, where's Jesus gone? It's like, no, where's his disciples? We need to be with Jesus. Where's he gone? And then someone says, oh, he was up early. You mean he was up early? Yeah, while you were asleep, he got in that boat and he went in the, he gone around the other side of the lake. What's going on? And there's this sense of they needed to be watching him. I hope you're watching Jesus. Which you do by reading how Jesus operated. As you read the Gospels, as you watch other Jesus followers interacting with people and handling people, you begin to watch and learn how Jesus treats people. How Jesus speaks to people. You, you begin to understand how Jesus deals with opposition. What, what's Jesus doing in the other disciples? I hope you're watching what Jesus is doing in each other. Just watch what Jesus does and watch the way he does it. So that you never find yourself in this position where you're doing things in the name of Jesus but not in the spirit of Jesus. You pick up the spirit of Christ, his manner, his approach, his attitude by watching him. Keep your eyes on him. A follower of Jesus watches and learns to recognize what Jesus in action looks like. What are you seeing Jesus doing right now? What's he doing in your family? What's he doing in your workplace? What's he doing in the person that you sat next to? What's he doing in the church as a whole here? If you don't know, well, keep on the discipleship journey. Keep with him. Keep watching. But do the third thing that disciples do. They talk to Jesus. If in doubt, say, Lord, what are you doing? I'm struggling to see it. Come on, tell me, Lord, please. Do what Lee did this week. You know, when he was a little bit grumpy about having to do with the prayer requests. Just do that. Say, Lord, I'm up for it. I'll serve you. I'll honor my leaders. I'll do it. But Lord, you're going to have to give me something to say. Talk to Jesus. You know, I tell Jesus everything. If I take the position that 
Oh, he's God. He knows it anyway. Doesn't it stay in the Bible that he knows every word before it's on your tongue? Yeah, it does. But I need to tell Jesus for my sake, not for his sake. Yeah, he knows it. But I need to hear myself saying, help, sometimes. Or, Lord, I don't understand. Or, thank you, God. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for providing. Thank you for healing. Thank you for being for me. I need to be talking to him. It reinforces to me this is a relationship. It's not stuffy, formal religion. No, this is a friendship. You're my dad, my heavenly father. You're my friend. You're my savior. I talk to you. Uh, yeah, I complain to him. Yeah, some days I, I, I whinge. No, I, I tend to do a lot of my devotional time out walking the dog. So a good hour most days I'm out with the dog. Only Jesus and the dog know some things about my life. <laughs> In fact, only Jesus and the dog knows. They probably know more than my wife does. Uh, because I can express my doubts and my frustrations. I ask for help. I ask for wisdom, for protection. I ask a lot of questions. I hope you're asking questions of Jesus because he loves to answer. But it's a relationship. And as you press in, it brightens Jesus' eyes, as it were. And he goes, ah, a hungry disciple. I love that. Don't you love it when you, you, your kids press for knowledge, press for information, want to grow, want to mature, want to understand? Well, that's what the Heavenly Father's like with us too. That talking with Jesus is prayer. Now, if somebody throws the prayer word at you, it can immediately bring images of formal prayer or quiet times. But prayer is just you talking to God. It's you expressing your heart to him. In Thessalonians, it talks about praying without ceasing. It's just a constant conversation, spirit to spirit, that keeps you consciously aware of being with him. It's part of your watching him. It's that wonderful, beautiful, focused conversation. What are you talking to Jesus about? Oh, um, um, no. You should be talking to him about everything. Just make that your rule for life. Okay, I'm going to never stop talking to Jesus. I'm going to drive him nuts. He will rub his hands together. The Holy Spirit will go, yes, bring it on. Come on, share your heart. You, you, you're doubting? You're fearful? You're not understanding? Great. Ex tell me what you're... And I'll get some solutions to you. It's a relationship. It's interactive. It's not passive. And of course, because it's a relationship, it's a two-way street. So a committed disciple is not just talking to Jesus. They're listening to Jesus. Oh, yeah. A disciple has a real relationship with Jesus. You know, it's very hard to follow someone if you're not listening to them. Now, I know you can do in modern contemporary society because Facebook followers are following lots of people but not listening to them. They're just being nosy about them. <laughs> we just sort of follow each other in that social media fashion. You know, following has gained this other meaning. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about actually following someone relationally. Put yourself on the beach when Jesus walked past James and John fishing or Matthew the tax collector and said, follow me. It's that kind of following. 
tangible, physical, emotional, relational following. And it's very hard to do that if you're not listening to them. Because for a start, you won't hear them say, this way, Steve. Boy, I need to hear Jesus say that. I need to hear his call, his direction. I need to hear how he speaks to me. That's why one of the most important things that we can teach new Christians is to understand how God speaks to them. Have you ever tried to explain to someone how God speaks to you? <laughs> it's really difficult, isn't it? It's kind of really simple because you, you're getting it. But to explain to them, you say, well, well, how does God speak to you, Steve? What do you mean God said? You say, well, it's kind of like um, um, a prompting. Uh, prompting? Yeah, sometimes it's like a thought that comes into my mind. A thought? Yeah, sometimes it's as I'm reading the Bible. It's as if words sort of lifted off the page and just read, resonate in my heart. Resonate in your heart. Hmm. It's very difficult, isn't it? Try to ex explain to someone what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Boy, that's why you need the family of God around you. You need other good, normal people who can just tell you it as it is and help you find that wonderfully unique way that Jesus speaks to you. And you learn it by testing it, don't you? You, you dare to take a step of faith, a test step of obedience, and then you feel the Holy Spirit giving you that warm sense of assurance, that peace that goes, yes, Steve, that was me. That is right. Now remember that feeling because it will come again. And then you'll think you've had that feeling another day and it not be the feeling, it was the pizza or the cheese. And, and, and then it feels bad. And Jesus is saying to you, remember that bad feeling? That's when you get it wrong. And you're learning to just read how God speaks to you. It's a precious process. God speaks to you by that Holy Spirit. He speaks to you through the Bible, which is his living word to you. He speaks to you through other disciples, which is another reason why we need to be in church together and sitting under God's word together. Create spaces to listen, to sit, to walk, to be quiet. If I asked you, what was the last thing Jesus said to you? I wonder what you'd say. Some of you would dig back to your last quiet time because you need a Bible verse to prove that Jesus spoke to you. Um, what was the last thing Jesus said to me? I think the last thing Jesus said to me was a moment ago, just as I got up from my seat to come up here. And he sent me an emoji. I got a thumbs up. I just felt in my spirit Jesus saying, go for it, Steve. You've got the right thing to say on them notes. It's in your heart. Come on. It was an emoji. He's, he's bang up to date. It's Jesus. <laughs> that sense of, well, does that matter? Yeah, that really, really matters. You need to feel that. Uh, multiple times a day when you make choices and decisions and you, you're, you're raising your kids and doing your job, you need to feel the smile of Jesus. Sometimes it's one of those funny laughing ones that he sends to you. And he's having a laugh at your dispense. Jesus is going, <laughs> come on, Steve, what are you doing now? Sometimes we amuse him. I love it. Watch him. Listen to him. Talk to him, be with him. For true disciples, let's get right to the meat of it. 
They commit to moving when Jesus moves. Discipleship at its heart has this notion of following. I mentioned a moment ago when Jesus was on the, walked down the beach and he came across James and John who he called to be his disciples. He said to them, follow me guys and I'll make you fishers of men. Never mind those stinky things. Come on. There's a higher call for you. Come on, follow me. Do you think he stopped and said, follow me? That would have been illogical because to say follow means, means he's moving. He's going somewhere. But I don't think Jesus sort of stood around and said, well, are you coming or not? Have you made your mind up yet? No, Jesus said, follow me and kept moving. All the responsibility was on them to pull the boats up the beach, leave the nets, say goodbye to their father and start to follow him actively. Because Jesus is moving, folks. The Holy Spirit is moving. God is doing things. He's active. He's got a plan for your life that we read about right at the start of this service. And then read that scripture about God knowing the plans he has for you. I hope there's a sense of destiny and purpose in your heart. God is leading you somewhere. So you've got to be following him into that purpose, into that destiny. I guess to call yourself a follower, disciple, and then to never move is a contradiction in terms, isn't it? Say, so I'm a disciple of Jesus. Well, that means you're moving. It means you're following. It means you're in a process. What was the last move that you made? To ensure that you kept pace with Jesus. Because the idea is that you watch him and you talk to him and you keep pace with him as he moves. Some of you have made physical moves to keep pace with what Jesus has been leading you into. You've moved house, you've moved jobs, you've changed friendships. Some of you have just had to move a perspective or change an attitude. But as you follow him... Every week, every month, every year, you're able to look back and say, in following Jesus, I've actually moved. Because disciples are always moving, actively following. And it's that following process that is so transformative. So I'm watching him, talking, listening, moving in step with him. But maybe most importantly... A disciple commits to obeying what Jesus teaches. Obedience is right at the heart of discipleship. It's right at the heart. It's ultimately the, it's the evidence that you love him. If you love Jesus, you'll obey. If you love him with all your heart, you'll follow, even though the road seems a bit rocky or tough right now. Because the motivation for our following Jesus is never rules, religion, duty. It's always love. Oh, he loved us so much, didn't he? And we love him because he loved us so much. And the product of love is obedience. In John 14, 23, Jesus said this, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And my Father will love them and will come and will make our home with them. He then goes on to say, and anyone who does not love me does not obey my teaching. A sign that you love Jesus 
is that you obey him. Right at the heart of that great commission scripture, in Matthew 28, where it says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, is this line, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. It's the obedience piece where the rubber hits the road. And that's right at the heart of the long game of discipleship. If obedience is duty, pressure, keeping the rules, it's lost all its relational context. It's lost all that sense of it's just me and my heavenly father. It's me and Jesus. It's us in this wonderful discipleship relationship. Make love the core. Because when love is at the root of your steps of obedience, you end up blessed. I haven't got time to unpack it here, but right through the scripture we can track it. That where people were obedient to what God asked them to do because they loved him, they were blessed. You could take it right back to Genesis 22, where our spiritual father Abraham was tested by God as to whether or not he might be willing to give up his own son Isaac. And he was willing. And God said, wow, because you've obeyed me in this, all the nations are going to be blessed through you. And you're going to be fruitful. The blessing was through obedience. If you want a blessed, fruitful, strong Christian life, it comes through being willing to obey Jesus, who you're following, because you love him. Not because you think he's got a sneaky plan to bash you on the head if you step out of line. No, he loves you like a good dad. And yeah, a good dad sometimes has to discipline his kids, but fundamentally, it's driven by a deep love for the welfare of the child. I wonder what was the last step of obedience you took because you're a disciple. Because your eyes are on him. Yeah, and you're spending time with him and you're talking and you're listening to him and you're wanting to move in space with him. I wonder what the last step was of obedience. Some of you, it's simply, it was not speaking when you wanted to. You wanted to tell him straight and you didn't. You held your tongue. And that was you being obedient because the Holy Spirit was saying, shut it, Steve, stop it, don't. I know you're angry. I know you want to poke their eyes out, don't. And you were obedient. And that was you being changed to be more like Jesus. At other times, it's the Holy Spirit saying, speak up. Steve, speak now. I said now. And the Holy Spirit's going, speak, speak. And that when I speak, I feel his peace. I feel his strength, his grace come towards me. It's a step of obedience. Oh, boy. Impulse spending. You're about to spend. And the Holy Spirit's going, no. You remember good stewardship teaching that you had? Remember? You know, managing the books. Not doing it. That's you being obedient. Other times, it's the Holy Spirit saying, Hey, that extra 50 quid you've got there, can you please give it to so-and-so? They're really having a hard time. Mm, I don't know, Lord. It's my rainy day money. I might need it on Thursday. And Jesus is saying, come on. If I can get that 50 quid to you, I can get another 50 quid to you somewhere else, can't I? And you go on your conversation with Jesus and in the event. And when you're obedient, what do you feel? Uh, you feel you're being effective. You feel you're being fruitful. You are being transformed by following through steps of obedience because you love him 
And the more you take steps of faith and learn, when I'm obedient because I love him, it's win-win. I'm blessed. He's blessed. The other people are blessed. And you're at the heart of this wonderful long game of discipleship, of following Jesus. So let me pull this together. How long are you going to follow Jesus for? You know, when, when you, if you're a Christian in here, you responded to a version of Jesus saying, follow me. And like I described for me, I, I gave my life to Jesus when I was nine. You've, many of you have got a story, uh, that significant moment happened for you at a point in time. And he's still calling you forward, he's still calling you on. How long are you going to do it for? Think, well, I'll, I'll do it for the next couple of years and see how I get on. Not wrong approach. What Jesus has called you to is for life. You have been given a brand new life to live. And he wants you to live it to the full. He doesn't want you to be ineffective or unproductive in your knowledge of him and your knowing of him. As it said in our scripture, he wants you instead to keep your eyes on him and say, it was awesome when I met you, Jesus. That significant moment was life-changing. Thank you, that was just a starting gun of a journey, a long game which takes me from one degree of glory to another into the image and likeness of Jesus. It takes me through the storm. It brings me through pandemics. It brings me through sicknesses. It brings me through broken relationships. It takes me from strength to strength until we meet him face to face. That's what our commitment is to. So this week, if you're a Christian in here, can I urge you? Actively pursue Jesus. Make a decision that says, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, like never before this week. How? Well, I'm going to make sure that I'm with you consciously. I'm going to watch you, talk to you, listen to you. I'm going to move when you move, Lord, and I'm going to obey you because I love you. That's the way to live a fruitful and effective Christian life for the long haul. Let's just stand together. Band can come back up. I'm going to pray two prayers as we close. The first one is I want to pray for Christians in the room. People who have been following Jesus as best they know how. And this morning for you is almost like a, a little refresher. It's taking you back to the roots and saying, remember the glorious life you signed up for. He has given you everything you need for life and for godliness. Your deep relationship with him has the seeds of that in it. Just stay connected to it. Make every effort to add these qualities to one another so that they keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Now just as heads are bowed and we're praying a moment, if you know you've gone a little bit stale, you've got a little bit off course, you know that Jesus has been saying, hey, come on, and you've been resistant for whatever reason, but you would just like, you'd like to recommit in your heart to the long game of following Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you or ask you to put your hands up or anything. 
I just want you to acknowledge that in your heart. Maybe put your hand on your heart or something and just do something which is you saying, Jesus, I'm here. I'm in. I'm in for the long haul, Lord. The Holy Spirit, I ask that every person in whom this thought resonates now, that you would give them your peace. You'd reaffirm to them the joy of their salvation, that they would know like they've never known before, the joy of being a disciple of Jesus. And Father, where, where we've lost sight of you, maybe taken our eye off you, stopped talking to you, failed to be with you when we should, we pray you'd forgive us. And we reaffirm, we love you, Lord. We really love you because you loved us so much. Life without you is nothing. So we're coming after you. And we recommit to follow you with our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. We will love you. My second prayer is for any in the room here who have not had that significant moment that kickstarts the process. That moment of becoming a Christian. We sometimes describe it as being born again because it's, it's such a, a complete new start that God graces us with. And equally, if you're in here today, you think, well, I, I like the idea of this Christian life. I'm exploring it, but I've got questions. That's cool. The best way to explore is to get on the journey, to step over the line, to actually say, okay, Jesus, I'm coming. Because Jesus is inviting you. He's saying, follow me. But he will not put your arm up your back. He will not coerce you. He will simply invite you into a friendship with him. If you'd like to cross that line, to take that first step, can I ask you, just put your hand on your heart and I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you resonate with these words, this is you stepping over the line. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to save me, to deal with what I couldn't deal with in myself and to give me the chance of a brand new life. I now believe in my heart that Jesus came to save me and that you raised him from the dead for that purpose. So I say, Jesus, I'm here and I'm coming. I'm going to be following you from this point forward. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please tell someone. Please come back next week. Please share it so that we can help you begin the process of the long game. It's been great to have the chance to share with you. My prayer is that as, as Dave and Faye have a great rest with the family, they come back next week and they find a congregation who have been following Jesus all week, that they'll be, have been so transformed by that process, so fruitful by that process, they'll go, wow! What happened to our church this week? And you'll simply, it'll be, 
We just followed Jesus, Dave. We just followed Jesus. That's the heart of it all. Amen? Amen. God bless you.